Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. And man, if this was not ever the truth about my guest, wow, you are in for a treat. Her name is Deborah Johnson, and I can just give you just, here, here's what I'm going to say. She's an author. Okay, she's written five books. She's a composer. She's a performer. She's an information, informational, that too, inspirational speaker. She podcasts. She's an entrepreneur. And I'm just, I, I'm really, this could just be like an all-day show about all the things that, that Deborah Johnson does. So I just want to say welcome to the show, Deborah. I'm so happy to have you. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you, Marcia. I never take this for granted, and it's always a lot of fun. It, isn't it? I, it, it, it really is because while I don't do all of the things that you do, I do have a burning desire about what I do, just as you do. And I think it will be very apparent as we go through our conversation today. But before we sort of get into our topics, which are so many, why don't you just tell us, really, right? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself so we get to know just a little bit about you? Well, uh, it depends on how far back you want me to go. Um, <laughs> I know you're, you're all into the, the story. Um, yes. But, yeah, so I have, um, you know, I grew up in Southern California, born in Georgia, actually, so born on a dairy farm. So, um, And I always say that's where I get my early morning um, habits from those cows, you know, to get up with the cows, as I say. But, uh, yeah, in Southern California and loved music started taking uh, piano lessons privately when I was nine and a half, and the half is very important uh, at nine, and uh, just, you know, I got, the music was a natural for me uh, in um, studying not only improvisation, but also as a concert pianist and vocalist, and a lot of performings through the years, did the education, um, expanded my career and that's where the writing comes and we'll get into this a little bit more when you ask other questions but um, as I um, went through times of my life of being stuck uh, I decided to expand my platform into also include speaking because it's a it's a um, it's a very similar platform as an entertainment in music and started on the trek of also writing books and have just loved it. The music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I have uh, tons of music out there, musicals yeah. and, and all of those. But I just love what I do. And, you know, I really never want to quit until our kids put me in a home. So, and I still may not quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny when, what, what you say because performing is performing. And whether mm-hmm. it's on, in the written format whether right. you are singing, whether you right. are writing, whether you are coaching, whether you're doing any of those things, there's just a desire within you. 
and and mm-hmm. we would be definitely considered extroverts, you know. And right? Would you would you not classify yourself as an extrovert? You know, I'm not. I am. Really? I classify. Yes, this is interesting. Um, I am an intentional extrovert, but I am an introvert in my habits because I can sit upon hours upon end. Uh, lots of breaks, of course, but I, I get things done, projects done, and focus. And I work really well by myself. And so uh, I tend to be that introvert that I turn on with an audience, and I love, you know, of course, a stage, and I love a platform. And I've created more of a platform virtually now as well. Uh, worked very hard at doing that. But, yeah, I'm, an, I'm more of an intentional extrovert. And some people call these, um, you know, they're kind of in, in, in between. I can't remember the exact name, adverts yeah. or, uh, you know, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to this and go, oh, yeah, I know that. But it, I it's know kind that of word. between. Yes. yes, yes. Well, it's, it's, that's very interesting. Um, I, I think I am I'm definitely a type A extrovert person that just mm-hmm. never knows when to zip it. Okay. Yeah. So now you can still be a type you can still be a type A and an introvert. Uh But uh I really feel like you can because you're still driven. So a type A and and I wrote a really interesting um a blog post about this because once a month on my podcast I bring in my husband. My husband Mm -hmm. is a type B and I'm a type A (laughs) but because I'm so driven, but he's very um he gets everything done that he needs but he's he's been a professional athlete but he's more of that um relaxed you know personality sort of mm-hmm. um thing so anyway i just you know in my opinion i feel like you know you can be a type a personality as well and still be an introvert interesting okay yeah. well let's 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 <laughs> talk about let's talk about all of these successes that you have well, i'm telling you deborah as we are speaking i have four um pages of dot coms opened up about all those things that you do oh so my i know because you are really remarkable so have you always been an entrepreneur even as an artist you know, that is a really interesting question because when I was going through school, uh, the word entrepreneur, I had never heard of it. And mm-hmm. and as, you know, you kind of go through and start doing your business and I was into teaching, kind of pushed into that area for a while, but also toured internationally, did a lot of music tours and then did my solo shows and another um, other headline show. But I never totally realized that I was really an entrepreneur until probably when I started writing more books because I thought, oh, that's what this is called. And <laughs> I've been very self-motivated. You know, I've put out a lot of music, a lot of albums, written the music, musicals, and I, I never put really a name on that but now when like when i look back at my father and at my mother and really knowing that you know my dad was an entrepreneur what he did he was a fireman he was a captain but he also built industrial buildings and he was in business for himself he was definitely an entrepreneur my mom very creative and uh expanded her she did a lot of work in porcelain working with liadro and all of that very artistic 
very creative, and she had that entrepreneur edge as well. So that's where I started realizing, oh, yeah, I guess that is what I am. And But but there was never really a name for it, Marsha. They didn't, they didn't have yeah. a major like this in school. If they had, I might have really been drawn to it, but I had no idea. Right. <laughs> you're, you know, you're right about that. I mean, certainly there are definitely those categories in college today. You know, these yes. business majors that develop, that want to be entrepreneurs. But I think right. what's really interesting about you, because you are so multifaceted, faceted, is that you call yourself, you identify yourself as a solopreneur. Now, <laughs> I have to tell you, when I saw you write that to me, you said, you know, that's how you see yourself. I looked that up. I would imagine <laughs> most people have never heard of that term. So let's start with what does that mean to be a solopreneur? Well, a solopreneur is, you know, when you're kind of paving a way almost by yourself. You're not in some sort of track of entrepreneurism. You're, you are, I do a lot of work by myself and I hire out what I need to hire out. Um, but it is, it can be a very lonely road by yourself. Um, but you know, you want to surround yourself with enough support and people that you trust uh, to be able to help you make that journey all the way, all the way through in your business as well. But it's when you're, you're, it's like a solo artist that you can hold your own on a stage. Yes, you know. In mm-hmm. fact, as a solo artist, you can bring in a band or you can just be there by yourself acoustically. Uh, and you can you can hold it both ways, so that's where I think of a a solopreneur can work with a team, or you can work all by yourself. That's interesting. Does that make sense? It does, <laughs> with or with, with or without a team. I, yes. I I get that. So, as that person that you've just described in all of these different arenas. What would you say has been the biggest challenge that you have faced in that position? Well, I think for me it is what to say no to and oh. developing the right kind of team around me then to get the projects done. But, yeah, it's um, when you are a creative artist and you're in business, I learned more about the business when I entered speaking. Uh, that I was in a gig economy in music, and I was referred so often and showcased and got the gigs, and I worked. Uh, the 1% of 1%, you know, how we do in, in music, as we say, if you're going to go into that field. But, but the, um, the, the challenges, and especially now, too, is COVID did a great thing for me, was made me – think, okay, what can I do now by myself? I can start finishing some of these projects because I'll end up starting on something new. And, of course, I did finish a book, my summit book during that time. It was a thrill to finish that. But it, uh, it also I needed to finish some scores and uh, put up some, you know, finish some things in, in the music field and start some other promotional areas. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of turning off the tap of going full bore and making sure that it's regulated enough to do everything as well as you can. Right. Uh, You know, it's interesting. Um, 
one of the reasons I love doing this show is that if I was just doing what people call in this industry an interview, I would just move mm-hmm. on to the next question. But right. it's not that way for me. For me, <laughs> it's a that. conversation. <laughs> I, it, well, it's just it's just how I am. I'm not I'm not a trained interviewer, but I've been. I tell people I've been talking before I was walking. So <laughs> I, I mean that's what I do. And so when you say learning what to say no to, that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I have right now. And I'm not nearly in all the arenas that you're in. But when you spread yourself thin, something falls through the slot. Something does. You misunderstand somebody's comment. You you miss the email that you thought you responded to, but you didn't. And and I find, and, and, and COVID, you're right, COVID has... Given us Zoom, I mean, good grief, we, what would we do without yeah. Zoom today? You know, that right. connects us with our families across the country, even beside what it does business-wise. So I understand right. what you say about learning how to say no. And I would imagine if you talk to people that are very productive in what it is they do, they all probably say the same thing, like how do you prioritize and where can you just set this aside for just a little bit because you do, like you say, you do so, so many things. So when in thinking about that, how can people find their sort of what we would call the creative sweet spot and maximize that in their lives and in their businesses? How do you, how can people do that? Hmm. It's a really great question. That's what I help people kind of through um, in some of my online programs, but it's, uh, you want to be able to look. At, there's a little tiny bit of this in the Summit book as well, because uh, as mm-hmm. she journals, you want to look at your past experience um, of of the things that you've done. Uh, kind of put those down on a list and just kind of look at look at all of those things that you've actually done, and look at some of your real successes that that has you know popped through the best. Also identify what you really love to do. Now, there are people that absolutely love to sing, but you should not be performing in front because <laughs> you might try it once and say, oh, no, it just didn't go that once right. But you need, you need to have a realistic view of what you're doing. And then be willing to put in the hours to really develop something you absolutely love to do, something that you've had – uh, a little, at least a little bit of experience doing, and you find that you actually did it pretty well. Um, I love the book "So Good They Can't Ignore You" by Cal hmm. um, Newport. He he really goes through that. You know, you're not just pursuing your passion here. You are developing your passion almost with something that you can be great at. And it's not, I, you know, when people say these 10,000 hours, I say, you know, that's a start in many areas. Yes. <laughs> because it doesn't, you don't just put the hours in. And a lot of people put the hours and they're still not good, you know, in, especially in performing arts or whatever. So, but you, you want to be able to look at all of those different areas and then get some really just some honest feedback. And sometimes yes. we're afraid to ask for that. But that's where, you know, as you are a solopreneur, um, you can get some great feedback from a really trusted group. I call it a close circle. I talk about this in my book, uh, Women at Halftime. But the close circle around you that are trusted people that you've had 
you know, maybe you've had them in your life for a number of years or maybe they might be fairly new, but you trust those people and they know what you're going what your heart is. That's a great so. that's a great answer. And and you know, everybody everybody that's listening right now doesn't necessarily perform. Not right. necessarily unless you define perform because frankly, performance doesn't just mean me being a podcaster, you being a singer. Um, no. you, it, it, performers also have to be able to stand in front of a board meeting or, you know, or, or not a board meeting. Just, you know, you're just working together as a team doing whatever it is that you do. And there, there is an expectation. I suppose that's why I just thought of this. I never really thought about it before. But when, you, when, you're, when it's time to get a raise in your job, what is it mm-hmm. called? It's called a performance review. Right. It's doing your I job never, well, as well as you exa- can. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to congratulate you on this fifth book called The Summit. And it doesn't just say The Summit on this beautiful book. It says Journey to Hero Mountain, an mm-hmm. allegory. And like, And this just came out like last week. Am I right? You are right. It just oh, came gosh. out. Yeah. Well, Brand congratulations. New. Congratulations. Uh, that's that's like having another baby. Uh, there you go. And how many babies have you already had? I mean, but baby babies. Yeah, real how many babies. Do you have? Real, yes, how many babies. real babies. I have three sons. My three sons. Yes. Oh, A lot my of testosterone gosh. in my house. Yes. Oh, no, honey. You talk <laughs> to women that have had daughters. I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. <laughs> There's the difference. Yeah. All righty. So um, let's talk there about yeah. uh, that's that's so funny. I I love my daughter, but I love my son too. All right. So um, why did you write this particular book? You know, um, I wrote this book because it was fun, first of all, and I had the idea of a story, and I've written self-help books and. And you get to a certain stage, I know that just people don't read. Or they might start it out, they might skim it, they just don't read. And I had had seen this picture of this beautiful location. And, you know, after we're locked down, all you want to do is travel to a beautiful Mm -hmm. location. So I was thinking, oh, this gorgeous location, and you can just go there and spend like a month and write and just be so creative. And then... I looked at the picture again, and I thought, I bet nobody would ever take the time to do that. They, <laughs> they would yeah. go to a place like this, and I, and, I, and I called it, like, the idea factory. And so I thought, oh, that will be an interesting book. That would be – so I wrote it on an index card. I write everything on index cards. So I wrote it on an index card what it meant. And then I thought, well, I could just develop, you know, a whole sort of story around this. And what would be distracting people from going to a place like that? Oh, the social media circus. There's Mm. all of that involved. So then I wrote that on an index card. And and I kept going through all of these little ideas and thought, you know, this is a whole journey. And I had already trademarked Hero Mountain. I already had the the program. If you want to see all the steps to it, it's in my Women at Halftime book. So I'd already, you know, had that sort of laid out. And, but this is a journey, and this is a journey to Hero Mountain. And that's where the whole story started taking shape. And 
I just felt like people needed to read something simple uh, with very um, strong walk-away principles that they could apply and identify with a story right now that was fun and that wasn't so heavy because we've just had this heaviness of all of these, you know, things that we've gone through with our right. world pretty much with the virus. So I hate to even mention it too much right now because everybody's, oh, that's a downer. So, But the you want to be able to lift people up and encourage people. And that's part of what I've done for years in music. That's what my music does. That's why I've in front of those audiences, lift them up and encourage them, see the smiles on their faces and connect with them. And because you're giving people that gift, and that's what I wanted to give people with this book, with the story that they could relate to, with a character that starts out, her name is Mallory. Her name, it means ill-fated. <laughs> her first working name was not good enough, but she has to, her name has to change when she actually gets to climbing her summit and her name changed to Andriette, which means strong and courageous. But she had to go through that journey to get there. So that's why I wrote it. I thought, you know, people need lifted up. They need... Uh, the encouragement, and hopefully they will actually read, though the audiobook is available. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's funny, Deborah. And, you know, it, it's funny that you should say that. I, I do want the listeners to know that oftentimes I have to spell people's names on my show because a last name like Johnson could have two different spellings. Deborah yeah. actually could have two different spellings. I will be putting all of the links to all of your content on my on my website but for those that are just listening live Deborah is with an H D E B O R A H and Johnson is J O H N S O N Johnson and um I think this is really ter- terrific and and I know that this is considered an allegory um and I'm just wondering first of all I don't know if everybody knows what an allegory even means so do you want to can you give a quick definition of an allegory i can and you can expand if you want but an allegory is a story within a story so it's a story but it has principles that you can walk away with yes and it's like a um like a pilgrim's progress or it's like the uh lord of the rings or sort of where you have these that's a much more involved one um but Mm -hmm. you have these little principles that you can walk away with from the actual Story. And there's a little magical element in it as well. So Terrific. You know, I, I love what you said just a little earlier. Self, perhaps even doing the same thing, which is you mentioned the index cards. I've had a lot of authors. I would say the majority of my podcast guests this year have been authors. And everyone has a different process. Everyone yes. has a different style. I have heard people talk about um, index cards. I have heard that that before. And I, mm-hmm. I can see where sometimes you just get an idea. And mm-hmm. you don't want to lose the idea. You don't have to necessarily expand on it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, I don't these, – these, these words right here or this thought right here, I need to get it out of the brain and onto the card. And then from the yes. card, then I can expand. And I'm just wondering, what what was what is your process like when you're actually writing? After you've got the cards, where do you go next? 
Well, um, and actually in the audio book, I, I put a bonus chapter in there on my process, specifically in this book. Good. But the, the process for this book was most like the process I went through in writing the script for one of my musicals. And it because you have to be willing to cut things out, you've got you know to move the story ahead. It's because it's a story. It's not just a self help book. It is a self help book in many ways, but it's a story. So, um, but to do that, you know, you have your ideas, and this the index cards worked for me. And sometimes, you know, they're not exact index cards, mm-hmm. but they're cards. I, I stick them together and, and try to keep them at least together. But I, I worked with a <laughs> colleague, wonderful. I call him my piano pal. We were doing a, a double piano, like a headliner show around the country, and. Um, he'd use post-it notes, and there were post-it notes everywhere. Oh, so, man. and those are great too. But you got to have some sort of system. So I have, you know, a little system for mine. But yeah, I I do that, and then I look at them for some of my notes as I'm writing because I'm old school and like I like to write stuff down. But then I, you know, I have three computers too, so I work a lot on Word, um, the program Word, and you know, I put everything mm-hmm. in there. And then writing is rewriting. You know, you rewrite. But I'm able to refer back to those cards. And then at a certain point, after you get, and this was, on this book, it was after a number of rewrites. I mean, I might have rewritten the thing like, I don't know, four or five times. I went ahead and I went through and identified what are called the beats. Now, the beats in a musical are all of the little, just the changes that happen so a different it, it doesn't have to be as big as a whole scene it can be happen there may be beats within that scene some sort of action that turns it, it's a it's a change of action somebody walks in that's another beat and then the person walks out another character comes in that's another beat so i separated this whole uh, book into beats and i thought okay what is needed what isn't needed and should i change some things around so it, it helps, and I've done this, boy, I did this big time with my musical Tsarina, which is based on the Russian Revolution, and, you know, laid out these index cards. In fact, I think I had different colored ones for different, wow. <laughs> you know, just to help me out, because mm-hmm. you put you start putting actors on a script, they will absolutely tear it up if their character, you know, they need more in the character. I shouldn't say tear it up. They will actually help you as a writer <laughs> by okay. tearing it up <laughs> because uh-huh. they will lift it to another level saying, you know, that doesn't make sense or I'm not feeling this at all. How would this, you know, a character say this? So it's it's important to at least see then what is not needed because I found that I had repetition that wasn't needed, and, and I had two editors on this that uh, were very honest with me, too, and say, you know, mm-hmm. you already said that how many times? So that was very helpful. So, But that's kind of part of my process in going through this, and you just have to be willing to take the time and be willing to take the step back and take another step forward again, and you have to be willing to rewrite a number of times. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I thought I was really interested in hearing that you actually are writing straight into the computer. You're using a Word document and you're, you're just right. typing quickly. I've talked to other authors that actually handwrite. Now I can mm-hmm. just tell you, I don't know where you are in your handwriting. 
I don't mm-hmm. do cursive anymore. <laughs> I print. Everything is uh-huh. in capitals, mainly. I take notes while you speak, and then wow. I hope I can read them. <laughs> you can <Hello>? read them. <laughs> Dang, it's like, what does that say? Willing to rewrite. <laughs> That's right, rewrite. Okay. So I, I am a Word document person also. I mean, yeah, that, then, you, then you've got grammar that you can correct. And you can, for me, you can, because I took typing, I understand how to type. Mm-hmm. I can think a little bit faster when I type. But I think right. the fact that you started with your index cards, whether they were all the same color or not, I thought was kind of clever. Right. And I, <laughs> I, I love what you said about beats. And it's so funny because words mean so much to me. When mm. you said beats, and I know that we're not talking the E-E-T, we're not talking the vegetable, mm-hmm. we're right. talking like what you would hear in music. Do you know what right. word instantly came to my mind? A what, beatnik. What came? A oh, beatnik. interesting. Huh. Isn't okay. that interesting? I, I, there's yeah. really no relationship to that, but huh. that was certainly a term that I heard as a young person talking hmm. about people that were in music, and I, I adore hmm. music as well. I, I love the musical stage. I just went and saw My Fair Lady yesterday at the Dolby hmm. Theater. And wow. I'm amazed, because I want to talk about the music, I'm amazed that any of you that perform can remember all the things you have to remember on stage. It, it yeah, is, it's... It, uh, it, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, really, wow. I don't know how you, how all of you are able to do this. I mean, you've written hundreds of songs, you've written musicals, You've been recognized for your performances. How do you do this? Tell us about this. Well, one thing at a time. It's, yes. You know, <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not singing. If I perform one of my songs, I have to uh, go back and practice it because I have to remember what I wrote. You know, so that's why you write it down. When you mentioned My Fair Lady, kind of an interesting. Um, tidbit about that musical it's been called one of the most perfect musicals written uh, i don't know how many people would totally you know the young the people coming up now are probably wouldn't understand this but it it was really crafted well and the number of songs written for that musical were 80 there were 80 songs written for that musical and so a lot of them were cut and this is what you have to be willing to do is to cut those songs that are not appropriate for or moving that story ahead. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Mm-hmm. And now we'll get back to your your question, um, which I've sort of forgot what it was, except for well, all remembering the, the all of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, because you've written, your, yeah. right. well, you've written hundreds of songs. I mean, songs yes. that... Um, that you prefer, that you perform mm-hmm. songs you wrote right. for others. Tell us about mm-hmm. that part. Yeah, usually uh, I would write either for an album, like I wrote uh, Wayfarer's Journey album for uh, those who used to play piano that want to play again, and so I put out all of the sheet music for that album, which are at the intermediate level. And it's perfect for the intermediate level for a pianist. And so the, I have heard many times throughout the year, uh, years of people that said, oh, I used to play piano. I'd love to start playing again. Well, why don't you? 
They mm-hmm. they just don't. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put out at least some sheet music so people that do want to play again, it's an easy ramp up, and they're really nice songs, beautiful uh, instrumental songs. So I wrote that for a specific thing. I've written musical songs basically, you know, around characters, but also just really good songs. Um, have written love songs. I've done um, arrangements. I wrote an album called My Father's Favorite Hymns, and really um, a great album that I did a number of years ago to really honor uh, my upbringing because I was brought up, that's how I learned to play anything that popped into my head by playing in church. You know, you end up Mm -hmm. hearing it and playing it. And I sat across from an organist who would change keys quicker than a woman changed clothes, as I say, (laughs) and I had to follow him. And uh, so, and I wrote some, some songs that would also complement that album, which were some wonderful arrangements of hymns. So there's just, usually it's for projects that I end up writing the songs for. And they end up being, you know, fun. And by the time you get into the studio and recording them, and there you are. They're, <laughs> they're out there. So If you had to choose between writing it or performing it, would hmm. that be a very difficult decision for you? Um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting interesting question. I've never been really asked that question. Very good question, hmm. Marcia. Um, oh, I'm curious. With, huh? Yes, writing it or performing, because there's a certain part of that that's connected. And right. I say I'm more of a performer than an entertainer. Um, so the performance aspect, see, writing is a real craft. So sitting and writing something is rewriting and rewriting until it's right. So it's fun. At a certain point, it's really a fun process. But then you want to be able to finish and actually right. perform it. So that's where the actual joy when you have something actually done. So I would say, you know, some people just get into this creative process the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I love to create, believe me. I, I have more projects than I'll ever have time for. But, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's, I think that's a really hard question. I don't know if I can just answer that sure totally you know uh maybe it's a balance <laughs> maybe it's a balance I think it is. maybe maybe it's a balance which is i mean i know zoom and pivot are big words the last mm-hmm. 18 months but frankly mm-hmm. if you ask me to give you the, the keyword for me it would be balance which goes back to what you said at the, the top of the podcast when you talked about learning how to say no and that's all about balance and mm-hmm. so i can see where you know um, on any given day, you would say, "God, just I just want to write. Give me the. Mm-hmm. I got to get in front of that keyboard, and I just need to compose." But as you're composing, I presume you could be singing because do you write your lyrics as well as write your music? Uh, yes, and I, yeah, I'm going to so. kind of go back to your sure. question, which is kind of an interesting because it just sparked. Um, this sort of principle is when you are performing, there's a big part of that 
that you are also creating at the same time because you are creating a performance. And that is part of creativity for me. It's not just creating a new song. It is creating a performance of that song because you can perform a song a number of different ways. Again, going back to this solopreneur, I've been on stages where I've been in outdoor concerts and uh, doing something and all of a sudden everything I'm, I was on an acoustic piano, everything went off, including the lights, including the sound and everything, and you are record you are performing acoustically in the dark. Wow. And so until everything came back on, you know, or a microphone, the, your sound, you know, somebody at the soundboard, like, makes some sort of goof, which has happened more times than I'd like to count. <laughs> but, you know, your sound goes off, and so you just do it a cappella until everything comes back on again. So it, there are certain parts of this that are so creative in the actual performance so uh, to me, when you said the word connected, I think that's you're right on track on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's true. Um, I I, just, I I I wish this is one of those shows. I'm just going to be honest. I this is one of those shows that I really wish was visual as well as audio mm. because I would like to be looking at you while you're speaking <laughs> because. But even without looking at you, hmm. I can hear the engagement. Hmm. I can hear, I can, I can hear the engagement. I can hear the passion. I can hear the creativity. You are a very good listener. And all of those things go into negotiations and all kinds of mm-hmm. other things that you do in your, right. in your life. Because, my God, you do a lot. And I, like I said, this could be a, it could be a two-hour show. Um, um, when you start preparing, because I'm just trying to imagine, I guess mainly because I was just at the theater yesterday, but when mm. you start preparing to perform, say, a solo headline stage show, can you kind of take us through what that process is like? Yeah, and it's, um, it's all about the reps the repetition, but not just the repetition any old way. Um, And this is very important. It goes back to that 10,000-hour rule to where Mm -hmm. some people think, well, I got the hours in. But practice alone is not perfect practice. You've got to be willing to make the mistakes, and you've got to just do the reps. And as I was upping my ability to, you know, even on my podcast, because I do a lot of uh, video now, and Mm -hmm. wanted to add that, you know, a lot more of that element. I've done done video editing for for years, but it's time-consuming. So I've figured out ways that it's not going to take me as much time, but it has taken me putting in the reps and doing a number of times. And with this new uh, book coming out, deciding to now be more available to appear on podcasts like your wonderful show um, mm. here, you know, and just being able, it's allowed me to meet more people. But again, it's putting in the reps. And mm-hmm. so these questions, sometimes I'm asked something totally new, but that's really fun because now I've added to my ability to expand on something else. And that's part of the creativity. So, but putting in, the reps for a show, when I'm preparing either for 
a keynote speech or for like a headline music entertainment. The number of repetitions uh, and the transitions, it's not just the music, it's the transitions. And it's how you walk on a stage. It's how you greet the audience. And it's kind of funny, Marsha, because as I expanded into speaking more, the, the part about the music shows that would scare me the most was mm-hmm. what to say between songs. And it was like, now I'm thinking about standing on a stage and just speaking. Are you joking? <laughs> but I had one of my agents was a speaker agent. So we looked at everything, thought, you know, I could really do this. But it would, you know, that's been a step. But again, it's getting in the reps. It's getting in enough repetition to have the sound go out and know that you can still be standing on your feet. So those sort of reps in any sort of field are very important. A colleague of mine, Tom Singer, I love to listen to his podcast, and he's doing the speakernomics now for the uh, national NSA, um, and I'll give him a little plug because it's a wonderful podcast, and he's, he does a great job. But he decided to get into comedy improv and so and getting into the reps and doing at least 100. And now he's upped it. He wants to go up to like 300. But again, it's getting in the reps to be able to practice enough times to fall on your face, which he's not done as many times as he thought he would, which is quite amazing. What ha- We surprise ourselves. But you've got to be willing to do that. It's interesting because um, at one time I was in Toastmasters, which is probably something you've heard of. And mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I'm sure you've heard of that. And we have a mutual friend in Mimi Donaldson and mm-hmm. doing TED Talks and things like that. I know just, just doing a Facebook Live prior to mm-hmm. my podcast, mm-hmm. and it's like how many, more, how many times do you want to practice this? Practice <laughs> and reps. Is that... <clears throat> Is that, I think you said that that's slightly different between practicing and repetition. Am I right about that? Did you say that there's a slight, practice alone is not perfect practice is what I wrote in my notes. Is that, did I get that right? You did. Well, for putting stuff on a stage, but just the repetitions. So Facebook Live, you know, I'm pretty honest with some of my Facebook Live. I always tell people add one thing uh, small thing at a time, technically. Don't overwhelm yourself. Just do one mm-hmm. thing, and then you can add something else. And I can't tell you how many times I was working with a new little system, and I'd do my Facebook Live, and I'd go and check it, and there's no sound. Oh, Got to do it again. Got to delete it. I, I did that one time, three times in a row. Finally, I got the sound working. But again, that was not perfect. But I was going to get to the place to where now I could take notes and make sure next time mm-hmm. I would be better. So when you are with a perfect practice, especially classical, you know, you have some of these teachers say, do that passage again. Do not practice your mistakes. So what you don't want to do is to practice over this area, well, I've skipped five measures. So every time you practice, you're going to skip those five measures. No. You've got to go back and make sure that you can practice this correctly. So that's where that what I call perfect practice. It's not perfectionism, but it's, it's getting to the place where you are doing the repetitions as well as you can 
and taking a step up to not have the sound. You know, there's still little things that happen for me. I'll forget to press a button. That's usually what it is when you're digitally. You're going, something didn't work. Oh, you forgot to press a button. There's a little something on one of your (laughs) machines, a little something, or there's a little setting. And because I, you know, there's a lot, you know, you, in when you're working in the digital realm, if you haven't worked on a program in a while, and all of a sudden you go back to it, you're going, okay, man, I've worked so much on this, but I haven't been here in a while, and do I remember everything? So it's going to be, really? you know, those little things. It's just you bet. That's, that's what happens. Yeah. I I I find you really I I I really do wish that this was a two hour podcast, but of course it's not. Um, I know you everybody would be bored by then. I know they wouldn't. Uh, well, I wouldn't be, honey. And I mean, as long as I'm not bored, I don't really care. No, I'm kidding. But That's what I'm funny. saying, you, you know, I want to. There's like two more things I wanted to get to, and I I want to have a chance to talk a little bit because you did write this great book called Music for Kids. And yes. I, I think what we'll do is I, I will hyperlink that into my follow-up so people can learn more about why you wrote that book and the value that you see for music because I do want to talk about women at halftime, and and I think that that's really important. So can you spend some time talking about that because I believe that is your podcast. Am I right? Yeah, Women in Halftime is my podcast. There's men that listen to it. You are welcome to listen to it. Anybody is welcome <laughs> to listen to it. Um, and once a month, my husband comes on with me, and so we have a very good time. And, uh, and it just adds another little dimension to it because we've been together a number of years. I met him on a blind date, and we are still together. And uh, mm. so, we, you know, it's good. I kind of drag him in, but he's he's a great guy. So that's nice, and I have one guest a month. But I also speak a couple times on it a month, and I might be doing some extra uh, episodes coming up. I plan on doing that. I hadn't had time nice. while I was writing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really – for what you start to face at mid-career or halftime. And the halftime of life officially, if you look it up on the Internet, starts about age 40. But most people find themselves in their 50s, kind of that time of life, to where they're really asking what's next or their mid-career. And a lot of people now thinking, you know, I've been working virtually. I really like this. Or do I really <laughs> want to do this job for the rest of my life? What do I want to do? Or I've put, to, I've put aside my dreams. That's what Summit's all about, the Summit. Because I've put aside my dreams for so long because I thought, well, maybe I just can't do it or it's impossible. And, and so you want to, you know, kind of explore some of those things. We, I, we talk about everything. I talk about mindset. I talk about uh, family about raising adult kids. Yes, all my kids are adult kids now. Fully launched, very thankful. And uh, so there's just a lot of different subjects talked about um, in the podcast from, you know, uh, technical. I have one coming up from, you know, technical challenges. So, you know, I'll I'll talk about... um, Pretty a, a lot of different subjects that uh, mm-hmm. people may be asking, not only in life but in also in business. So there's, you know, a lot of that accountability, um, message of hope. I just put that out. My husband and I did one together. Actually, I interviewed him on cryptocurrency and blockchain. So there's just a lot of uh, different different things that we um, approach. So Greg doesn't Greg doesn't join you on all the podcasts. No, he just joins you just once, once a month. month. 
And yeah, did you yeah, say he's a yes. former <laughs> athlete? Is he a former a athlete? A former athlete. Yes. What was his sport? Yes. He played professional baseball. He played for the Indians. They were called the Indians. Wow. And uh-huh. uh, he was he played up to AAA. He was a pitcher. Um, and uh, that's when I met him. And he was still playing. His He hurt his arm in his mm-hmm. last season. So that's, you know, I didn't see a lot of him play. But um, but that was what he did. And I tell you, it was we both understood entertainment, but I had no idea on sports. So I think right. I had gone that's to one baseball game through my whole oh, life. Wow. But, oh. yeah, it's, that's, but there's a different mindset there, too, in your physical body as it ages. So we, we just recorded a podcast that will be aired uh, toward the end of the year in uh, fitness and in staying in shape as our body grow, uh, grows older as well. But some of our habits that um, we we need to um, keep, you know, fitness for the new year. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. I I called it from an athlete and an artist because <laughs> there uh-huh. are just these little different mindsets. But it's sure. very difficult for a professional athlete to face that his body is growing older and he's not able to do all the things that he used to do. He used to be able to push his body incredibly hard. And it just it, it's a little different as those decades start coming on. Well, you know, and that other that word pops up in that arena, which is repetition. You aren't yes. going to be a good pitcher if you cannot continue to pitch and pitch and pitch. Yes. No Dodgers. I'm I tell just you though, he that could, out there. Go ahead. He could still throw a ball. I mean, he can still pitch very strong. It's just all the other stuff around it. <laughs> right. It's been right. running for a period of time, and it's all of that stuff. It's, it's a lot harder. <laughs> well, certainly. And let's face it, there's also a competition there, too. Of course there you know, is. Yeah. There's, there's a tremendous amount of competition in all right. of the fields that you're talking about, whether you are a, a performer on stage, whether right. you are writing a book. That, there's a competition involved there. Do you want to read this yeah. one? Do you want to read that one? You're a podcast. Mm-hmm. You want to listen to that one? You want to listen to that one? And right. it, kind of takes me, it kind of takes me over to something that I'm just interested about you as a, as a human, as we say today. And, sure. and, and I, I had talked about that a little bit earlier because I struggle with it. I don't know if you struggle with it, but I suspect that, that you you um, see it, and that is mm-hmm. that word balance and staying mm-hmm. in balance so that we're not just face-planted in front of the computer. We're not mm-hmm. just doing social media. You know, we, we, we have to be able to, I, I, you know, recalibrate, right, would be a good word. We have to mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. recalibrate ourselves so that we can perform. So for, when, I, when I mention that word balance, what, is, what does that mean to you? Well, balance uh, to me means that you've put enough solid good habits in place that uh, you're not going to just totally burn out. And they can be tiny habits. In fact, I'm interviewing um, Linda Fogg Phillips coming up for the new year as well, and her brother wrote Tiny Habits, and some of the actual mm-hmm. research that's been done for Atomic Habits and some of the other books. But it, but it really uh, speaks about something very, very small. A small habit 
that you put into place that can help you keep a balance. And I work, because I have a home office, very fortunate in that, but I can take breaks. And one of the mm-hmm. things I love to do is get outside and, you know, just go back and start trimming on something, you know, and it, sure. it's a total diversion. Sure, head and the roses. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a total diversion. Mm-hmm. But I also start my day out. Again, I, I get up early. I already showed that. I get up very early, and I um, spend time, a little time, in journaling and a little bit of a devotional reading, and then I exercise. Exercise is very important. I like to get it out of the way. I am not an athlete, and it's not my favorite thing to do, so I like to get it out of the way. I have a um, stationary bike. I used to go to the gym when it was opened early enough, sure. and our gym still is not open early enough, and oh. now I've gotten into my routine. I've got everything kind of set up at home, and I, I'm just going to leave it that way. Even though sometimes there's a little more social when you get to go to the gym, it's kind of nice, yes. but... I think, you know, it's just for time. And so, yeah, I kind of have my routine. And then I take the dog for a walk, which I got into during the year of COVID. just thought, I just need to get outside, get out, and, and take my little dog for a walk. You know, my little dog, little, it's a, you know, tiny little thing, and she kind of pulls me. But uh-huh. it, it's, uh, you know, it gets you outside. So I think for a balance of life, there are those small habits, and I usually make a list the night before. I always, you know, get your tools ready the night before. That was a principle for my dad. And if you do that, you have these things set that you're going to get to, and you can kind of rotate and um, not just burn out on something. I keep a pretty good calendar. At the end of this year, I have a webinar coming up, Plan Your Year. Again, you can find Mm. it on one of my websites. And I've done this for three years. It's great. A printable calendar. I'm big on some paper and pencil. It's just good. Me too. To where you can plan, um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, but you can plan events for your year, your promotional calendar. You can just put notes all over that thing. And it's really good to look ahead so then you're not double booking at least, you know, some areas of your life. Because I've got, you know, Christmas music coming out now. I just had a book coming out. I've got, you know, my Hero Mountain Summit, which is a five-month program that starts yeah. this year, which is a great program, by the way. I only offer it twice a year. And, you know, I've getting these comments from some people, oh, I don't know anybody who signs up for any sort of self-help program. But, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are stuck. Well, <laughs> you know, it, they're, they're, they're circling and they're not, you know, they're questioning what to do next. Those are the people, if they would just sign up for something and get some guidance in this, they can get off of that circular roundabout, as I say. And so that's, yes. that's why I offer it, is to give that sort of help for some of those people. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm actually... Um looking at your websites now because, like I said, there are, there are multiples. And I want to make sure that I let people know and um, how they can do the summit. Is, does it start in January? I feel like I read it somewhere. Where, yes. Which, and which website on would email, they find this on? Oh, I, um, oh yeah, you, you could, uh, you're right. I should, I should let you finish your thought. You can, oh, you that's can, okay. That's all right. <laughs> you can get, you can get the newsletter. But yes. where where do yes. I see the summit? 
Which um, website is that if on? You go, um, yes, it's actually a forwarded website. If you just do heromountainsummit.com, you can okay. get to that page, Hero Mountain Summit, all together, and you can find that five-month program. But you'll find links. Um, most of my online programs are going to be on my Goals for Your Life um, uh, website, goalsforyourlife.com. And, and you can also get on my weekly newsletter. Now, I know people are inundated. I don't like people signing me up. It seems like every talk I have, somebody's got me on another newsletter. I do not auto-add you. Believe me, I do not do that. But if you would like to – I've had my newsletter going for like 20 years. If wow. you want to keep up with, I put out for every one of my podcasts, I put out an article very similar to what you do, Marcia. But I do that. Uh-huh. I have done this for a number of years. But I also put out um, songs on there. I put out information about what's coming up. I've had free happy hours, and so if you get that newsletter, I don't send spam, and I don't auto add you. But if you you can find the link on that website to uh, be on the newsletter, to sign up, and um, there's, a, there's an opt-in, what you have to do. I see so. it right here. It's mm-hmm. actually, I see it on your uh, DeborahJohnsonSpeaker.com, right yes. at the very bottom. It says sign up to right. our newsletter, which is what I'm going right. to do. And then, then you will get all of these, these latest informations. And I, and I agree with what you're saying. You know, sometimes we get newsletter after newsletter. It's like, oh, God. You know, know. because there's only so much time in the day, right? But, exactly. But because you do so much, I, I, I think it's really great. When you get out with the dog, I'm just curious about this because <laughs> I know I also get outside and I walk. And when I see people walking, everything, those little white dogs that seem to be all over the neighborhood, or the big, yes. the big beautiful doodles, you know, yes. that, that oh, seem yes. to be everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that engages me in a conversation. Maybe yes. I don't know you. Maybe I do uh-huh. know you. But I, I live very close to a university. I'm just three blocks away from Loyola Marymount University, so there are a lot of uh-huh. students that walk around. Um, right. But I think that because we've been so masked up for so long, Right, being able, to, oh, just being able to get out and yes. see somebody else walking their dog. Oh, what's your dog's name? Oh, <laughs> what, what street do you live on? Oh, oh, really? Oh, do you know? God, you know, it's, uh, people probably avoid my street, but um, <laughs> oh God, it's just why do I have to walk past her? She's going to ask me a million questions. <laughs> but you know, that's how we learn. That's how yes. we grow. That's how we realize that as humans, we are connected. Now, you don't have to be connected. I, mm-hmm. I, I know people that very much w- walk away from that whole, I don't need to connect with you. I don't need to know more about you. Frankly, no offense, I'm not really interested in you. I, I have enough to just manage <laughs> my own life. But for those of us that really love people, Love right. to entertain, just like you described, but to, but find the balance of you know being a wife, being a mother, um, doing your music, doing your writing. I, I, do you have? Are you working on another book? I've already got some notes. Yeah, uh, you always you know <laughs> grab cards. some notes. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. index cards. Yeah, another couple years. Uh, it'll, there'll Good. be another one out. So usually every Good two years you. I end up putting out another book, but. 
yeah you you always want to be able to look look forward look ahead it keeps there's some sort of goal some sort of, and make it fun for yourself make it fun don't make it shouldn't be a high stress at this point in my life i want to make it fun I want to make it meaningful, and we went through the last five years losing both sets of parents, and, you know, you realize, my dad, one of the phrases, and I can just kind of leave you with a little bit of this, of just, he said, uh, because when we found out he was ill with two types of cancer, we thought he was going to live to 100, and he didn't. But he he said to me, I know, uh, I'm not afraid of dying, I know where I'm going, but I really like living. And that really struck me because a lot of us are going, you know, I don't know, do I really like living? Enjoy your days. Enjoy getting outside. Enjoy the process of what, you know, you are doing right now. And and if some of the things in your work, there's always going to be some things you don't look forward to. I don't look forward to cleaning my office, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. I put things off that I need to, that I really need to do. But I set my timer and I do little at a time and it gets clean. So you just, you do those little things, but you, you want to really like living. And that's what I would encourage all of the listeners and in your audience of just to say, you know, to do that honest evaluation, get the people around you that you can trust and to be able to help you evaluate where you are and get to the place that you, you know, you can enjoy this time of life. It's a great time of life. I I so agree with you, and I think that that's a really brilliant way um, to um, end our hour together because your dad said, I'm not afraid of dying. But I like living. Yes. That's, yes, that's I really you know, love living. Yes. yes. Oh, you said I really love living. Yes. I even like that better. <laughs> I even I, I really know. Love it's very living. strong. Yeah. It is strong. And you know, sometimes we just really Deborah, we just sometimes we just need to step back, take a deep breath, mm. recognize that, be grateful. And just yeah. know that there's a purpose here, and and it's nice if you know it. Uh, I think yeah. I know mine. I think you know yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd like to think that most people know why they're here, but that's on them. I I can only know me, and mm-hmm. um, I just I just love doing this every week for the very reason of what you and I have done, which is connect, and mm-hmm. I've. I just think that um, you're just terrific, and you don't live real, real far. So if you ever find yourself going to the airport and you want to get there an hour <laughs> earlier, um, and you've got an hour to kill, I'm literally, you know, like three miles from the airport, so maybe it's five. I don't know. It's close. But, <laughs> it's a number um, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a number thing. I don't get that stuff. But, you know, um, there's, just some, there's just some people that you meet that you want to go, uh, you know, I let let's meet at Starbucks and just sit down and have a conversation that'll last for three days. But uh, but until then, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time today to give us a glimpse into your life and what you do and what brings you happiness. It's like that book, you know, what brings you joy. My hand goes over my heart when I say that. It just re- uh, it just instinctively goes there to say. What brings you joy? I know what brings me joy. And this has been Mm. truly joyful. And I'm so 
grateful that you spent this time with me today, Deborah. Uh, wow. Well, thank you uh, again for asking. Again, I never take this for granted. I've been in this business for a very long time, but I, I still never take it for granted. So thank you. My pleasure. And everyone that's listening, trust me, I will make sure that you have all the necessary links to learn more about Deborah. And now I will say goodbye for this third week of October as um, we enjoy this beautiful day. Everyone be safe, and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everybody.